Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. We're going to be joined by Steve Geller at 545 for our triple option feature. A little after 520 today, we'll be joined by Jen Hale, uh, NFL sideline reporter, also uh, the reporter, sideline reporter for also for the New Orleans Pelicans. And she'll be on with us to talk about NFL playoffs and certainly the Pelicans. Let's go back to our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line. Let's go to Big John. Big John, you're in the huddle with Mike and Charlie. Hey, Mike. Hey, Charlie. What's up, Big John? Um, What's up, bud? Hey, uh, I was talking to Charlie off the air a little bit about this. Um, Mickey Loomis has basically slapped everybody in the face with his press conference the other day. I'm with Larry, your other caller. I'm not going to renew my season tickets after 30 years. And I'll tell you why. Mickey Loomis comes on. He's got the audacity. Compare Dennis Allen to three Hall of Fame coaches saying that they lost their first two, three seasons, and we got to give Dennis Allen a chance. What he failed to mention was Dennis Allen's already had a chance in, uh, with the Raiders for two or three years. He fell flat in his face with Derek Carr. So then he comes to the Saints. We got Dennis Allen. First two years. Falls on his face again. He's just scheduling the NFL. And he can't even get in the playoffs. We're an older Derek Carr. It's a slap in the face. His, his, his little script that he read or he made up, he's just – it's. Mike, it's just it's hard. I can't handle words for it so bad. Okay, here, I mean, here's the other part, Big John. Okay, and Mickey talked about extenuating circumstances in Oakland. Okay, here's my deal. What you didn't bring up, Tom Landry took over an expansion mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys team. When Chuck Noll took over the Steelers, they were as about as rock bottom Lousy. as rock bottom could be. Bill Walsh took over the 49ers. They had a few players, but Bill even told me this before he passed away. Mike, we were gutted because of so much they had paid up with other coaches, other administrations to bring O.J. Simpson, an older and an injured O.J. Simpson back to San Francisco. So that wasn't brought up in the deal. And it's not Dennis's first rodeo here. It's his second rodeo here. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at Dennis Allen's stint in Oakland, four and twelve, four and twelve, and then zero and four. And so now, you know, people will say that Oakland was a mess. We've talked a little bit about that. Comes here, his first year, seven and ten, and they makes the jump to nine and eight. His first winning season as a head coach in his fifth year. Now, you know, it, it, seven to nine, you're still missing out the playoffs. You're, you finish second in the NFC South uh, with a winnable schedule, a winnable division. Um, there should be criticism. I don't. I don't really see why there shouldn't be. No, I mean it's justified. 
And in this part, who took over a worse situation than Sean Payton in 06? This team was about as rock bottom as it could get. You coming off of a situation with Katrina, you had a lot of uneasiness in the organization on where this would go. You did make the right moves in bringing in Sean and signing Drew Brees, and then, man, it fell. Uh, Reggie Bush goes to – you pick him with the second overall pick. And they had a, a signature draft in 06, a really signature one. 29 new players on a team of a 53-man roster. What could be more difficult than that? I've always said this. The, the Super Bowl year was unbelievable run, and we'll always remember Sean's best coaching job, 06. All those new pieces in place, and he was able to turn it around. This team went to the NFC Championship game. They didn't win it, but they got there. <laughs> you talk about a rough ride. That one was really rough in what Sean was able to do. Totally different. So every circumstance, I agree with Mickey, is different. But in that case, Landry taking over an expansion team. Chuck No taking over a team that for over 20 years hadn't won squat. You got no talent on that team. And Bill Walsh taking over a team in San Francisco that was gutted because the owner and general manager of another regime they wanted O.J. back in Southern California, gave up a ton to get him. So it took Bill a couple years to piece it together. It's totally different. You can't compare the apples to the orange here. It's pretty ludicrous, honestly. I, I There's no other real word for it. I thought that that part of the presser was definitely pretty wild, so to speak. It's just, it's just not apt comparisons. No, you, you can't compare. And again, you can't compare the apple to the orange here. All those situations were totally, totally different. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. And my old friend Jen Hale will join us, uh, Pelicans and NFL sideline reporter, right after this break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply baseball is back and so is mlb.tv watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with Charlie Long. And on our Oakland Hard Jewelers Talk and Text Line, Fox Sports NFL sideline reporter and also sideline reporter for the New Orleans Pelicans, Jen Hale. Jen, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. How you doing? Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I know you love the cold weather, so uh, I'm not even going <laughs> to ask about that. <laughs> 
Miserable. Uh, I have to have a talk with God. If we have to deal with hurricanes, we shouldn't have to deal with sub-freezing temperatures. Well, that's the trade-off, Jen. That's the trade-off to it. (laughs) Um, I'm going to ask you this first before we get into the Pels and NFL playoffs, but uh, you were the sideline reporter for the final game of Bill Belichick um, in his regular season game. And now a lot of reports, certainly from Atlanta, that he'll be in for a second interview with the Falcons. You were sideline reporter for the Falcons preseason game. And how do you think that would mesh there? I I think Bill can still coach. Now, he needs a quarterback in Atlanta. No question about it. But there are some building blocks there that if I was a prospective coach, I would want to go there. Good offensive line. Bijan Robinson. Kyle Pitts, Drake London, you got some bits and pieces on defense, and that's Bill's uh, wheelhouse. Your thoughts, first of all, on covering that final game, and then how well he would fit in Atlanta? It was special, Mike. Another freezing one, a ton of wet snow. Um, so I'm glad it was his last one, because otherwise it just would have been miserable. But yeah, it, it was an honor to get to do his last one, and it w- we thought it was his last one. He certainly let us believe that in production meetings, but it wasn't official. When I interviewed him at halftime, he was so nice. I said, oh, yep, he's got to be done. Yeah, something's wrong. Just nice at halftime. <laughs> um, as far as the fit in Atlanta, look, I agree with you. He can still coach. But to me, he's got to be willing to give up some personnel decisions, and he would have to bring in the right people to relate to the players. I think when Tom Brady left New England, it exposed how much Brady did, not just on the field, but in the locker room. Belichick runs an extremely tight ship. It's hard to do those types of rules with today's players, especially the younger ones. So that would be my hesitation. That would be my question if I were the Falcons. How how do you keep this locker room inspired? How do you set the tone without a Tom Brady? Because it has not worked very well for Bill since Brady left. You know what's the worst thing would happen if you're a Saints fan? They somehow get to the second pick in the draft and they pick Jaden Daniels. And then oh. you got to play this sucker twice a year no. for the next 10 years. Uh, that wouldn't be good. It might be great for Jaden Daniels, but it wouldn't be great if you're a Saints fan because I think they're a quarterback away. I think from being a team, because I know Bill can piece it together on defense. I think some of the power situations have to be him giving up some of that control on the offensive side of the football, and he's been a terrible general manager for the head coach, Bill Belichick. Correct. He's got to give up those personnel decisions. He's got to let go of some of um, th- that that old school control that I want to run everything in this organization. Uh, I don't know if he's willing to do that, to be honest with you. And I'm I'm curious to see how much the Falcons would give. Of course, they have so many folks from the Saints up there right now. Their defensive coordinator, Terry Fontenot, who was with the Saints for years and years, played at Tulane as their general manager. Um, so they're very interested in him. They love his pedigree. They really feel like this is a decision they have to get right. This and the quarterback. They understand now those are the linchpin pieces. This experiment of, you know, we can, we can get by with an average quarterback if we surround him with elite talent. 
they've realized that doesn't work now. Nope, it doesn't. And not in this world of the NFL. Your thoughts on Dan Campbell and Detroit Lions. Uh, Bob and I were talking about this yesterday. We did, we tried to do an interview with him, but man, we'd have to play this on serious because the language got way out of line with the three of us all talking together uh, about certain things and with Dan just the way he is. But to see him piece this together in a town – that has basically begged for a winner. Bobby was the last quarterback to win a championship in Detroit. That's in the USFL when he was with the Michigan Panthers. So to see what Dan was here as the tight ends coach, assistant head coach, then to go to Detroit, and he kind of put his stamp on the type person and the type player he wanted. That's what makes the NFL to me so great to watch. Oh, a thousand percent. That press conference he gave at the beginning where he talked about biting off kneecaps and clawing his way up, you know, he got so much grief for that. And But it truly, it has embodied exactly who they are as a team and exactly how they've won. I was so excited because, number one, I feel like they got robbed against Dallas a few weeks ago. That was just insane. The ineligible, eligible receivers type of deal. Um, so I was thrilled to see him win. The stands, the fans in the stands crying after that W. I feel like for Detroit, it, sports and winning in sports means something like what it means in New Orleans. It, it lifts the city up. It, it, it speaks to the character of the people and the team. So, yeah, I am thrilled for Dan. He's doing it the right way. Of course, Aaron Glenn used to be with the Saints. He's their defensive coordinator, just a stand-up guy. Um, so, so thrilled with their success, and I'm glad they drew Tampa Bay instead of San Francisco or Green Bay. I, I think they're going to win this weekend in advance. I agree with you. Charlie has a couple yeah, questions. Yeah, Jen, kind of looking at the ASC, before we get into you know Pelicans questions, because i got plenty of those. I love the Pels, and I thought last night's showing the three-point barrage was outstanding. But before we get to all of that, I want to ask you about the AFC playoff pitcher, because you're looking at, you know, we already kind of mentioned the NFC games with Detroit and Tampa Bay and then Green Bay and San Francisco. But on the AFC side of things, you've got a lot of storylines to follow here with Lamar Jackson winning – likely winning his second MVP, and he's going to be hosting C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans, who have just been outstanding in their rookie seasons with the Texans, uh, who no one expected to be here, but they were they just crushed Cleveland uh, in the wildcard round. And then on the opposite side, you've got the rematch of Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes in that iconic game from just a couple of years ago. In uh, the Bills, you know, they're really looking to take that next step, but to do it, they've got to get past Mr. Mahomes, and it's, it's going to be one of those kind of, you know, I've heard it compared to, you know, the Tom Brady uh, Peyton Manning comparison that Kyle Mosley made. I've heard that comparison. I think it's pretty apt. I just want to get your thoughts on those two matchups. I, I, I'm with you. That that Casey Buffalo game. That's that. I think that's going to be the most competitive one out of the four. Uh, it's the one I'm looking forward to watching the most. And I'm pulling for Josh Allen. Maybe because Casey's won it before. I feel like okay, you've had your moment. Um, that that Bills team. They've been through so much. All the Demar Hamlin stuff last season. Uh, they're, they're just uh, much like New Orleans. They're a gritty blue-collar town. It would mean such an incredible amount to that group. And, and I love what Josh Allen stands for. He does things right on and off the field. He's such a leader. Uh, I think they have been building to this moment, and, and, and they're poised to take that next step that you talked about. Uh, I'm excited. I'm calling Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills to advance. And then, look, I've, I've had the Texans multiple times, four different times this season, believe it or not. Um, C.J. Stroud, I think he was the best pick in the draft. I think he's the perfect combination of the top three quarterback picks. 
Um, and he's got an extremely bright future. D'Amico Ryan's wow. The success this guy is having, that's the type of young coach every team wants to find, but so many miss. However, I do think this is the end of the road for them. Uh, I, I don't see them getting past the Ravens this weekend. But what an incredible season to grow on. What an incredible amount of success to take into the offseason. Imagine what they're going to be next year when all of these rookie guys, including coaches, you know, have an offseason to look back at what they want to fine-tune and what they want to tweak. The Texans are going to be a force for a long time to come. Jen, looking at the Pelicans now, I mean, last night against Charlotte, Mike and I have talked about this. you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Charlotte's obviously been struggling this year. And looking at the January slate, I mean, they're just coming off that five-game road trip where you face basically five different playoff teams, technically four with the back-to-back against Dallas. Uh, And then you have a really tough slate coming up against a hot Utah team. You know, Oklahoma City is one of the best teams in the Western Conference. And then you're playing the two best teams in the East with Milwaukee and Boston. This is a really tough slate, but at the same time, it seems that the Pelicans are getting hot as well. You know, that win over Charlotte, we finally saw Brandon Ingram break out of his kind of mini slump and have his third triple-double of his NBA career. I mean, how big was that for him, uh, specifically before I get into some of the other players, uh, to finally break that shorter mini slump, as I was saying, and have a really nice performance against the Hornets last night? Yeah, it was huge for him. So so the Pelicans are coming off their longest road trip of the season. It was brutal, y'all. It was 10, 11 days on the road, back-to-backs, landing at 3 a.m. because of de-icing, getting to hotels at 4, 4.30 in the morning. It was a tough trip. So for them to go 3-2, and two, uh, I think the team grew up quite a bit on that road trip. And if you look at their play uh, since January, really since the very end of December, they, they have been on an upwards trajectory. Everything is trending in the right direction. All of the stat lines on both sides of the ball are looking positive except the clutch time minutes. That's where they really have to improve down the stretch uh, if they want to get where their their goal is to be in the postseason. Um, I love that you brought up Brandon Ingram. He was so bothered by that slump. Over five games, he was averaging 12 points. He just They were double-teaming. They were trapping. Obviously, even with Zion on the scouting report, B.I. was the number one threat that defenses were honing in on. So I think it was really important last night the way he broke out of it. He was dominant from the three-point line. Usually he lives and dies by that mid-range shot. He's so good at it. But that's hard to do when teams are trapping you. So for him to be able to move out uh, beyond the arc, get his shots there, seven threes, that's, that's hard to defend. That's hard to stop. And when he gets going like that, him and Herb Jones, when those two get going, it just ignites the rest of the squad, and they follow suit. So um, last night's win, wonderful for a variety of reasons. Also because so often that first home game back after a long road trip, that can be such a letdown. You know, you finally exhale. So, yes, to your point, taking care of business, not losing the ones that are going to come back to bite you at the end of the season. Because you guys know it's the Western Conference. At the end of the day, it's probably going to come down to one or two games. Who's in the playoffs, who's in the play-in, and who's out of the picture altogether. Jen, um, two words, Jordan Hawkins. Because I remember (laughs) you and I talked about Trey as a rookie. And I told you, it looked like when he was trying to shoot a shot, they had a piece of plywood over the top of the hoop. I mean, he couldn't hit nothing. And, okay, he got sent down and brought back, and he almost had three seasons in one. Jordan Hawkins, he looks like a veteran shooter in the NBA today. Confidence and and release. And you know the other part about it is, man, if I miss, so what? Give me another shot at it. There's not a lot of rookies that can kind of brush that off and say, okay, okay, I I missed one, I missed two, give it to me, I, I know I can sink it. 
got great confidence in his overall play as a shooter. Now, again, the the defense part, okay, we, we understand that's never going to be great. But his ability to put that ball in the hoop is unreal for a rookie. I love it. It is beautiful basketball to watch. And that quiet confidence, so far it's been unshakable. Nothing has ruffled him. You know, he was in the starting lineup for a while at the beginning of the season because of injuries to Trey and B.I. I think that experience is paying really big dividends right now. And, and Mike, to your point about defense, you know, when he went back down to the G League, it, it wasn't the shooting, it wasn't the mentality yep. that he talked about. It, it, he said that taught him that in order to stay on the court in the NBA, you have to play defense. So at least he's understanding that has to be part of his game, even if it's not what he excels at. Defense is about effort, energy, and will. And at least he realizes he needs to bring that to some extent every night. And I really think, call me crazy, for him and Trey Murphy to combine off the bench – I think they might start scoring more than the starters on certain nights. It, when they unleash that three-point barrage, that's going to be really fun to watch. Talk about pick your poison. The only downside is, man, Willie Green has some tough decisions about minutes. Uh, I think this is going to hurt Jose Alvarado's minutes. How, how do you play everybody? Because Hawk has proven you can't not play him. Here's my deal, Jen. I'd much rather have that uh, problem than have – people on the bench that I can't play or can't play for me. I'd much rather have that problem. Uh, I'm not worried about having too much talent. I'm worried about when I don't have enough of it. Charlie? Yeah, I was listening to Willie's comments post-game, and one of the things that he was saying was that they're really starting to – like now that Hawkins is getting more playing time, which we've been begging for for it feels like a couple weeks now, now that he's starting to get that playing time, the lineups that Willie kind of highlighted in the postgame last night were the ones with both him and Trey Murphy on the floor and the space that it gives when Brandon Ingram and Zion are both on the floor next to those two guys uh, because you have to respect these shooters that are going to put up you know, 10 three-pointers a, a night and make four to five of them. I mean, it's a big – big task for defenses to defend that and it seems like Willie understands it and he's going to be moving more towards rotations where you have both Hawkins and Murphy on the floor at the same time as guys like Zion and B.I. You're so right that's why I say I don't think I'm crazy to, to call that there are going to be nights when the bench Hawk and Trey together um, are going to outscore the starters and and what I love seeing out of Trey Murphy guys is that practice he's really taken Jordan under his wing he, he gets Hawk, and he's in his ear. He, he's showing him the little fine-tuned details of what it means to be a pro in this league, how to survive an 82-game season. Because 82 games is a lot. So many rookies. I mean, I've been doing this for 12 years. They hit that rookie wall uh, before the All-Star break. And, and Hawk has not done that. And I think that's, one, a testament to his conditioning. But, two, guys like Trey Murphy getting in his ear, not being threatened by him, coaching him up, encouraging him, showing him the, the, the rules of the road, so to speak. Jen, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Always enjoy when you come on with us. Give us great insights and uh, a lot of laughs. And uh, I got to tell you, for what you do in the community, too, uh, I think some people know about it, some people don't. You do so much try to help out in the community with Sideline Pass and, and all your efforts. And you don't have a lot of free time in life, but you do <laughs> give that effort out there, and it's always appreciated, my dear. Thank you so much. That is so kind of you. Um, and, Mike, you know I love you. I love coming on. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much, Jen. We appreciate it. That was Jen Hale from Fox Sports, and uh, she's the sideline reporter for the Pelicans. And uh, 
Charlie, I think, uh, you know, you can hear her enthusiasm that we didn't hear last year at this time. I'm so fired up about this. About the Pelicans. Now, totally, totally different. She did mention it very briefly, but the Pelicans, whenever they get into situations, and you saw this against Dallas in the second game, where, you know, they're up by five to six points, maybe even just under 10 points. Hit your free throws. Six minutes left to go in the game in the fourth quarter. That's where you get a little bit nervous. Like, I mean, we talked with Chris Dotson earlier in the week, and he said that kind of. You know, the, the way to beat the Pelicans is to just keep it close because, you know, they haven't figured out how, how to win those close games yet. They did it against Utah kind of recently, but that's the only real example I can think of. I think they're, like, still 0-6 in games decided by three or fewer points. So, I mean, the Pelicans, look, they're built to, to beat the <coughs> snot out of teams on any given night, and if they're doing that, that's what they want to do. But they got to figure out how to win those close games, Mike, because there's going to be some playoff games that are going to come down to the wire – and the Pelicans, you know, they they got to figure out how to win them when they're tight. And as you said, making free throws is a big part of that. For yeah, sure. they have struggled in that category. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. Steve Geller will join us for Triple Option right after this break. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. Steve Geller joins us now for Triple Option, where each of us give our top takes on the top stories in sports. Charlie, I'll throw it to you first. All right, guys. 25 threes, a team record for the Pelicans last night against the Charlotte Hornets. And the one guy that stood out, obviously Brandon Ingram with the triple-double and seven threes of his own. Jordan Hawkins is getting playing time. We talked with Jen about him. 21 points, 6 of 9 shooting from uh, three-point range. Via StatMuse, the first Pelicans rookie with five games of five or more three-point makes in his rookie season. So, I mean, Jordan Hawkins, and he's done that in 37 games so far, guys. We have a whole second half of this season to go to watch this guy develop. And listening to what Willie Green said, we're going to listen to his audio later on in the show, what he had to say about Jordan Hawkins and Trey Murphy and those two on the floor at the same time, the stress that it puts on defense, but also the work that Hawkins puts off the floor in practice with Corey Brewer getting his shots up, you know, working on studying different players. He mentioned different guys like Ray Allen and Rip Hamilton and Steph Curry. I mean, the, the potential of this kid is just growing day by day, and it gets me so excited to watch what he can do uh, as the season progresses. But as a rookie, already so, so good. Jordan Hawkins, the 14th overall pick out of UConn. I've loved what I've seen from him so far. Steve. Well, as Charlie mentioned yesterday, a big day for the Pelicans, also a big one for the LSU men's basketball team, <laughs> yeah. uh, getting a win. Uh, uh, you know, you, you guys love to see what's going on with Matt McMahon right now. They're playing hard for him. He's fired up. But tonight, gentlemen, it is ladies' night. The LSU women's basketball team back in action. They're on the road at Alabama. The Tigers coming off. The Lady Tigers coming off uh, a tough win last time out against Auburn. Uh, they're three and one in the SEC play. Uh, Alabama team is two and two. Obviously, always playing on the road. Uh, tough in this conference or anywhere. Uh, LSU missed over 10 layups last game. Uh, free throws were a problem, too. They missed nine of those, and they were held to a season low of 62 points. It's going to be interesting to see how this team bounces back against an Alabama squad. Uh, the Tigers are averaging 92 points a game. Alabama just 75, and a huge other stat that stands out to me, rebounds per game. Uh, Lady Tigers, 46 rebounds a contest with Alabama at 38. So I think Kilmoki and crew can get back in the win column tonight. But you also got to watch out for Bama. They're pretty good at the three-point line, the three-point range. Guys, uh, we've heard certainly over the last 48, 72 hours Atlanta's interest in Bill Belichick. And uh, I would keep an eye on that uh, because you're not going in for a second interview 
uh, just to go eat at a certain <laughs> restaurant in Atlanta. I mean, they there because uh, they got a lot of mutual interests with, you know, himself along with Arthur Blank. But have we heard anything about Carolina Panthers? That has been really silent, hasn't it? Um, And you wonder a little bit, are they waiting to offer this job to Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson? Uh, The one thing is nobody's going to pay more money uh, than than Mr. Tepper. But you got to put up with him, too. Um, He's almost like he's a live wire, no insulation all the time. But is this kind of the opening here where – they have maybe cut a deal, and it just hasn't been announced. Because it's been really quiet in Carolina about their head coaching spot. Do they really have their guy in Ben Johnson? Well, Mike, I'll ask you this, because Jeff and I did this last week. We ranked the head coaching openings around the NFL because there's eight of them. There's no spot worse than the Carolina Panthers right now. I mean, look, I get Ben Johnson would be moving, and he's asking for a hefty hunk of change as well. So if he gets that from Tepper in Carolina, maybe that's the circumstance. But going for your first head coaching gig, it's a really bad setup in Carolina right now. With that owner? With that owner, but also the team that they've got. Like uh, The GM, Scott Fritterer, had had one of the worst GM tenures maybe in pro football history. I mean, just look at what he did to that organization in like a short period of time, two to three years, and the Panthers are now, you know, one of the laughing stocks of the NFL. I, I don't know if I would want to go to Carolina if I'm Ben Johnson. Man, here's my deal. You know where I'd want to go? Well, I think their roster stacked pretty damn good. The Chargers? Seattle. Oh, Seattle, okay. Okay. I'm not sure about Geno Smith at quarterback, but I got a lot of pieces in place there at wide receiver, along the offensive line, at running back. Now, man, the last couple years, uh, Pete's defense is a sort of – come apart at different times but there are bits and pieces there I really like man you get the right quarterback in Seattle you set up for a long time and um, and Seattle would for me and again you you have to want to live in Seattle now uh, and it rains almost every day there or it's cold every day there especially during the winter time but my goodness um, I, I get the charges deal because of Justin Herbert, but if you look at the roster completely, is there a better setup than Seattle? That's an opening right now. Another another job that I feel has been really quiet, the Washington Commanders. I haven't heard a peep about them interviewing anyone. And and so the other part I was going to say is is Ben Johnson waiting for Washington. the Commanders That's, job that, to open. You know that makes more sense to me because Washington's got the number two overall pick. They're going to get either Jaden Daniels or Drake May, whoever you know. Falls man, if back. I'm the Commanders, man, go ahead and pick Caleb Williams. Right, I'm picking Jaden Daniels I with the, the second pick in the draft. I love the fit, and I would love Ben Johnson coaching Jaden Daniels in Washington. Uh, after they take them number two overall. Uh, now, Washington's defense is – they've been terrible. <laughs> but at the same time, Jaden Daniels, as a rookie quarterback with rookie head coach, Ben Johnson as the number two overall pick. Uh, I mean, yeah, Josh Harris got money, but he ain't got Tepper money. But no. also, you don't have Tepper's temperament, <laughs> which is not uh, a plus. Uh, put it to you that way. And One thing you Carol- deal with multi-billionaires, and not many of them got uh, uh, patience. You've seen the team uh, in Carolina – you got rid of a star running back in Christian McCaffrey, a star wide receiver in and DJ Moore, DJ. and now you got no first round draft pick this year. So yeah, tough situation for anyone coming in. And also <laughs> too, because uh, I think everybody who wants a job to be a head coach, they think they can turn it around. But also you got to look at who's your boss. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he's got a track record. That need, hasn't been long there, but, boy, he's got a track record that tells you, man, if I don't win, and I don't win fast, and I mean real fast. He's quick. Uh, Pull that trigger. It's like Showtime at the <laughs> Apollo, man. They get the hook for you, and you out of there real, real quick. Uh, that was our triple option feature. We'll be back to finish it up here in our number two of Sports Talk right after this break. We're finishing up our number two here of Sports Talk on the Big 870. Let's get in James. James in the huddle with Mike, Steve, and Charlie. Hey, guys. It's uh... – it's really hard for me to live down uh, Shaq uh, Davis' loss. Man, uh, I, don't, I don't get yeah, that, James, at all. I, I don't understand that. He he looked good in training camp. Now, he wasn't ready for prime time yet, but you can't let him leave the building. I think I even mentioned this uh, in support of Grugan. I used an analogy a couple of days ago that if, if we had Shaq Davis – uh, you know, he would get that fifty-fifty ball when when, uh, when Tampa would come on a blitz. And, you know, just, I just threw that out there because I knew that I, I heard the reports that we signed a, a ton of future draft guys, whatever you call them, like a, a basketball player that's played that's going to be playing there for us. We signed a bunch of guys. We signed a guy mostly mentioned from the uh, HBCU, the guard or whatever, but. You have to be. I mean, Stevie Wonder would know that this guy is a, is a super talent. Six foot five, two hundred fourteen pounds. You, you want to you want to replace Mike Mike Thomas. You want to save some cap space, and he would be. Uh, I thought he would be in the back pocket because in the draft, I see his. T- I mean, I, I, I hear reports. You know, you know, this is just draft mock stuff, but the the wide receiver from Washington Phoenix uh uh, uh Phoenix guy Adunze Adunze no 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 yeah, no you, you 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 better you better grab a quarterback Adunze is going top 10 too. Yeah he's going to be a top 10 pick if man listen to, to me you got to grab a quarterback here or draft you a guy that can rush the quarterback Adunze, one or two Adunze makes a lot of sense with like Chicago at 9 potentially after they draft Caleb Williams at 1 uh they make sense he even makes sense if the Titans don't go O line he makes sense uh, going there as well. Yeah, that's going to be a tough choice for the Titans because yeah, uh, they picked one last year in round one yeah. where they go back-to-back years. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this news break. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.